0: Mark chapter 1, verse 40, thank you for being here tonight. The scripture says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said to him, See, thou saith nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But he went out, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the manner insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places and they came to Him from every quarter." For a few moments I want to talk about I've entitled emergency prayer. You ever need an emergency prayer? Who do we send that prayer to? Well I'm grateful that the ears of God has always bowed low to the cries of His children. There are so many fascinating things that took place within this uh, passage of Scripture that are recorded. We know first and foremost it talks about how Jesus uh, went by the Jordan River and was baptized by John. Uh, The Bible said then that the heavens were opened up and God affirmed His Son by saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, we know from that time forward that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness, and there he was tested uh, by Satan for a period of time. Angels came and ministered unto him, and then Jesus went down by the Sea of Galilee and began to handpick uh, some of his disciples. It was during that particular time uh, that Jesus, uh, with, the, with the disciples he had, entered into a local synagogue. And there he began to teach uh, with authority like no one had ever heard anybody teach before. And then as he began to teach the Bible lets us know that he cast a demon out of a religious man that was there during that time. With that being said people really began to stand up and take notice. Not only does this man teach with authority he lives his life with power and with authority. Uh, They knew that the power that Jesus spoke, the word that he spoke was much more powerful than the powers of darkness that were there that day. People in the crowd were so amazed and so mesmerized uh, by the teaching and the ministry of Jesus Christ they asked, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority commandeth he, even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him? The fame of Jesus Christ began to spread like wildfire. Uh, Jesus and his disciples left the synagogue and they entered into the house of Simon. When they went into the house of Simon they noted that uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. Jesus walked over to her, took her by the hand, lifted her up and immediately, instantly the Bible said uh, the fever left her and she now was able to minister unto Jesus and also uh, minister unto the disciples. With that being said, uh, by the time the sun began to set that night. I mean people came out of the woodwork uh, waiting for Jesus Christ uh, to pray for them uh, during that particular time. And yet we know uh, that the the next morning the Bible said, "...and He healed many that were sick of the virus diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered, suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew Him." The next morning Jesus got up early, went out into a solitary place to pray. Let me tell you, I believe one of the reasons that Jesus exemplified so much power and authority was because of His prayer life. I still believe that everything Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man anointed of the Holy Spirit of God. He did not use his uh, divinity for his own pleasure, for his own purpose. He did everything as a man anointed of the Spirit. Therefore, he had to pray. Jesus as God prayed think about that as man he had to pray that's where the authority came from that's where the power came from i wonder if you and i you and i would follow suit how uh, much more power and authority the lord would allow to be ministering through our lives equally as well but <clears throat> But Jesus gets up early, uh, goes to the solitary place for prayer, and here comes Simon Peter. Uh, Lord, uh, people are seeking for you. They want you to pray for them. The lines are getting long once again. And yet we find that Jesus said uh, to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, for therefore uh, came I came forth. Jesus preached in the synagogues and as a result throughout Galilee and he cast out demons. Now that background in mind I want to speak to you tonight about the subject I believe the Lord has laid upon my heart for this evening. Notice if you will, the Bible said there came a leper. There came a leper asking Jesus Christ for help. The leper approached Jesus Christ with humility. It's very important, with humility. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. In my opinion, this is what I would call an emergency prayer. I can understand the concern that Jesus had for a woman with a fever and he would want to touch her. I can understand the compassion that Jesus would have toward a demon-possessed individual whose life was being ruined, whose life was being eradicated, if you will, by demons that were doing whatever it was those demons would bid that man to do. But for Jesus Christ to touch a leper is beyond the comprehension perhaps of many of us in this room. We understand that leprosy was highly contagious. Lepers were supposed to keep distance uh, from individuals unless they themselves would become unclean uh, by touching them. We know that in Biblical days uh, that there were professional beggars. We know Barnabas was a professional beggar. If a person was blind they had a certain color of of linen or uh, clothing they would would wear uh, to mark them as a blind person. If a person was deaf they had a different color of garment. If a person was lame he would have a different color. But for a leper it was entirely different color of a garment, you know why? So the people could see them from a distance and rather than taking the money to them they would throw the money at them. You with me? So it was not right for a leper to approach somebody but this leper approached the Lord Jesus Christ and took the chance of defilement. The leper knew in his heart and his mind that Jesus had the power, the ability, and the authority to cleanse him of his leprosy, but he did not know in his heart if Jesus was willing to do so. Brothers and sisters, that's where many of us are at in our life. We know Jesus has all power and all authority, and he has the ability, but we often wonder is he willing to minister to my need? Is he willing to minister to the need of my family? And often we let it go out the door because we simply don't persevere in our prayer time with the Lord. We may know of his power. We may know of his authority. We may know of his ability. But we often lack something else about Jesus Christ and that is we often forget about the love that he has for us. I thought in reading in John the other night I thought to myself, Jesus asked the question, have I been so long with you that you don't know me? Have I been so long with you that you don't know me? Have you not served God for so long that we still don't understand the love that He has for us and the willingness that He has to do for us? I shared this illustration I'm sure years ago, this come to my mind right now. When I was in North Carolina, my very first church I pastored, I had kids' sermons with the children before Sunday service, right before service started. And I would bring all the kids, sit up on the front two rows, and I'd give a little sermon to the children before they went to Children's Church. And one Sunday I had all the children line up on the, on the um, altar, stood on the altar, and I gave a little story about trust. And I walked behind each child and I said, fall back and pastor will catch you. Only one child fell and that was my son because he knew me. The other kids knew about me, but he knew me. And he knew if he fell back, dad would catch him. The other kids were not aware of that. They didn't know. I don't know if my son would trust me today. I'm being honest. He'd been in California for 20, I mean, for 10 years. Does he know his dad now? He asked Don on the phone the other night, he said, God used to do this to dad. Does he still tell him things like he used to? See, he don't know anymore. He had not been around me. Have we been with the Lord for so long? That we've yet to learn his heart and to know his love. And not only his ability, but his willingness to help us. Do you have a close friend? A family member that you're close to? A co-worker that you're close to? Perhaps a spouse. And you misunderstand something they say or don't say. And you want to scratch your head and say, haven't we been together for so long that you still don't know my heart? That's a herd, isn't it? But we've all done it. With that being said, do we spend so much time with God, but yet we don't know the heart of God? And that's the thing. What good is to know His ability, His power, His authority, if we don't know His heart of willingness? Let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ showed His love to us while we were blatant sinners, by going to a whipping post and having His back beaten beyond recognition, If his love for us while we were blatant sinners was so great that he would allow a crown of thorns to be deeply embedded into the brow of his head with blood spurting out. If, If Jesus Christ showed us his love by going to a cross and being crucified with nails in his hands and feet and dying a bloody death before we even knew him, why do we doubt his love and his willingness now that we know him? Would you let that sink in? If God demonstrated that love for us while we were sinners, what kind of love does he demonstrate to us now that we are his children? Here was a man full of leprosy, knowing Jesus had the power and the authority to cleanse him, but the question was, will he do it? Will he do it? In such times as this, friends, we need to learn to stand upon the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God for our lives. I've said this a few weeks ago, doubt has feeling. Fear has feeling. Faith does not have feeling. Faith is simply willing to take God at his word. Faith is simply willing to believe what God said in spite of what I feel, in spite of what I see, in spite of what I may be told. You ever thought about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Jesus told them, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised from the grave. They believed more in what they saw than they believed in what Jesus told them Did they not? Because they went to the grave ready to embalm it, you know put the spices and stuff on him They believed in what they saw. They did not believe in what he said And how many times you and I believe in what we see we believe in what we feel we believe in what others say But I want to come to a place that I can take what he says to the bank it may be 180 degrees different from what I'm seeing, 180 degrees different from what I'm feeling, but if we stand upon the Word of God, that's where it's at. The Lord is willing. He's able to minister to the needs of His children more willing than we are to minister to the needs of our own children. Many of us are living in times of dire need. But, friends, we need to pick up the phone and dial the emergency phone number we talked about last week, jer 333. Call upon me. I will answer and show you things that you know not of. The Heavenly Father is always at the switch. He's never on vacation. He's never asleep. You'll never get a voicemail. You know, I think about old Elijah up on Mount Carmel. He told the people, all the prophets of Baal, go out and make yourself a sacrifice and call upon the name of your God. And they called, and they called, and they called, and Elijah mocked him. Where's he got at? Is he on vacation? Is he going to the bathroom? Is he taking a nap? Where's he got at? Then Elijah built the altar, the noonday prayer time, sacrifice time, at the evening, rather. And he prays in the King James Version a 63-word prayer. And the fire of God comes. Oh, God, give me faith. When I pray, you hear. When I pray in faith, you listen. That's the emergency prayer, friends, that we have, Jeremiah 3.33. The leper was dialing his own 9.11. The leper was dialing his own, Jeremiah 3.33, when he called out to Jesus. Friends, there was no cure for leprosy. There's no help to be found. When you read the test of leprosy in Leviticus 13, you find that it's in comparison to sin. Sin like leprosy, leprosy like sin, it's deeper than the skin sin like leprosy, leprosy like sin, it spreads. Leprosy like sin, sin like leprosy, it's fit for only thing but the fire, and we know that to be true. It renders things fit only for the fire. Anyone who has not trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is worse off spiritually than this leper was physically. Think about that. Jesus showed compassion on this man, and he cleansed him of his leprosy. He did it with a touch. He did it with his word. And no doubt this was the very first loving touch of a human being this man had sensed in a long, long time. As it was with the fever, so it was with the leprosy. Gone instantly. Gone instantly. Has that God gone out of business? Has that God changed in authority and power? Has that God changed in his ability and willingness to want to help us? Then why are you and I, not why are not you, why are you and I not experiencing more of it? Again, this comes to mind. An old man and woman riding down the road one day in a Model T Ford. The old man sitting here, that old hat on, just bouncing down the road. And the wife was hanging on the doorknob on the other side. And all of a sudden, here comes a sports car down the road. And you couldn't tell if the man or the woman was driving it because they were so close together. And the old woman sitting over here and she said, Henry... Remember when we were young, how we sat so close together? He went, yeah. She said, look at us now. And the old man said, I ain't moved. <laughs> and that's what it is in prayer. God has not moved. Amen. God has not changed. So what does that mean we do? Dear God, draw me closer to you. Draw me closer to you, Lord. Draw me closer to you. Praise God. The leper had an emergency and Jesus answered the call. E.M. Bounds said, Prayer is our most formidable weapon, but the one in which we are the least skilled, the most adverse to its use." Now, if you look into the same story in Luke chapter 5 verse 12 and following, Luke does, he notes that the man was covered with a First, he was totally inappropriate for a leper to approach anyone, especially a teacher, especially a rabbi. He was not supposed to do that. This man was without hope. He was full of shame. He had no dignity. He was shunned by society, but he was determined. Here's the secret. Society says you're shunned. Your body says you can't do it. This one says you can't do it. But he had everything against him. But in his heart of hearts, he had one standing before him that was for him. And with everything against him, with his dignity been gone, with his full of shame, shunned by society, the man was determined. He fell at his face and he begged. That's what the Bible said. Translated, he himself begged. That's what it says in the Greek. He himself begged. You're not supposed to walk close to anybody. But he had heard that Jesus could cast out demons. He had heard that Jesus could heal the sick. He had heard this all about Jesus Christ. He taught as one with authority. And here comes one before him passing down the road. And he said to himself, my only hope, my only chance is in that man. I'm breaking the law perhaps by going to him. But I'm determined to give him an opportunity. And he himself fell and he begged the Lord. Think about the last time you and I begged in prayer with that kind of intensity. Think about the prayers in general. Do we pray expecting to receive an answer? Do we pray with weeping and with loud voices? Do we pray when we add fasting uh, to the prayer in order to be resolved in our prayer time? Maybe if and when our life is on the line. Maybe if and when there's a catastrophe within our life. Maybe if and when uh, there, there is some giant standing before us. Maybe if and when there's some sickness or disease in our home. But I'm here to tell you church tonight I believe we pray far too little and I believe we further with less intense. I believe we become comfortable in prayer and I believe we often approach prayer extremely in a casual manner. Yeah we pray in the car. We pray in the shower. Some of you pray in the bathtub. We pray over our meals, hopefully. If the price of groceries keep going up, we better start praying at the grocery store and we check out. And many of us have a prayer time and a prayer closet that we enter in to pray. But Jesus was our example of prayer in the garden. And Jesus was our teacher of prayer in John 17. But oh, how I wished I could heard him pray. How I wished I could heard him pray. And, you know, the Bible said he ever lives to pray now. I wonder, God, could ever eavesdrop upon your son and see how he's praying for me and see how he's praying for the church and see how he's praying for the prodigals and see how he's praying for the things that we're asking him to intervene for in our lives? The gospel of Jesus Christ is a satisfaction to our soul. And the gospel of Jesus Christ should be the satisfaction to the unrest of the souls of this world. And if Jesus Christ tastes so good, why do we plead for him so apathetically? Jesus Christ made a way whereby we can enter into the holy of holies. Jesus Christ made a way whereby we ourselves can have access to the very throne room of God, a straight path where we can find every good thing that we need from our Heavenly Father in glory. Why do we not pursue Him with a tenacity in prayer? Is it all right? Sure is quiet in here tonight. The leper exemplified humility. Think about this. The man realized that Jesus may not cleanse him. So in great humility he asked. And he said, if you will in his request. If you will. the think about this. Jesus is here. The leper's here. An outcast to society. A scorn to society. Hasn't had a physical touch and God only knows how many years. People probably didn't care for him. Would you like, you feel like a, a monkey in the zoo? When people had compassion they'd throw the money at you? They do bring and drop in the plate. They throw it at you. But he sees Jesus. With great humility, he walks. And he falls to the ground. And he begs, if you will, you can cleanse me. He did not doubt his ability. He did not doubt his authority. He did not doubt his power. But at that point, he did not know the willingness of the man he was approaching. Notice, if you will, he understood his position as an outcast and a leper, but he also understood the position of Jesus Christ the Lord. He was not doubting the character of Jesus Christ, rather he was deferring to the prerogative of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself prayed such a prayer in his emergency one day in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was there facing the cup of God's wrath to be poured upon sin of which he himself was about to drink the drugs of it. It was in that time that Jesus himself prayed, "Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done." Jesus saw an affinity in this leper. Because he was having an emergency prayer, Jesus would have his own emergency prayer three years down the road. Friends, we are living in days. I need not tell you that are filled with problems and pain, and suffering, and misunderstanding, and misinformation, and miscalculation, and frustration, and deception, and the list goes on, and on, and on. The world appears to be getting worse and worse with each and every passing day. I I get nervous to turn the news on in the morning. What idiot has done something today? Saw in the news this evening. Our our, 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 our treasury secretary says that abortion is good for the economy. That's what she said. We've aborted over 63 million babies and somehow that's good for the economy. We got weasels that are guarding the hen house. Somebody better get hold of God. Amen. And we that know God must start doing something at the ballot box and doing something in the way of calling our senators and calling our representation. Because that does not represent me. That does not represent what you and I stand for. It's, again, it's not red, it's not blue, it's not Democrat, it's not Republic, it's right or wrong. Amen. And I want that to be stressed. It's right or it's wrong. The world appears worse every day. Who'll stand the gap? Who will intercede for our nation? Who will pray for heaven to come down and for glory to fill our souls? Who will be the watchman of our cities? Who will pray for our politicians? Who will pray for our government? Who will pray for the media? Who will pray tonight for entertainment? Who will pray for the big tech? Who will pray tonight for these sports entertainment people? Who will pray for the educational departments of America? Who will stay awake at the Garden of Gethsemane while the rest of the world goes to sleep because they got caught up in the spirit of the age that we're living in. I want you to look around tonight, church. Look around. Thank you for being here. There was a day this place would have been packed on a Wednesday night. And I'm not fussing the ones who are here for the ones who are not. I don't mean that way. I'm just saying the church is being rocked to sleep in the devil's cradle, and we have become so accustomed to the dark of this world that the world has forgotten how to blush over sin, and the church has forgotten how to weep over it. I didn't say you. I said we, and I'm saying God take me into the Holy of Holies and cleanse my lips and let me see how undone I am so I can make it right where I can see how done the world is and then Lord send me. Yeah. It's not enough to complain about what's going on in the world. It's not enough to, 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 to preach about what's going on in the world. It's not just enough to pray against what's going on. We've got to do something to make it change. Yeah. Yeah. And if we keep on doing what we've always done, we'll keep on getting what we've always got. Somebody say amen. I'm sure we all watched with anticipation and confusion just a week or so ago about the deputy in Alabama, I think it was, who for whatever reason apparently had this clandestine love affair with one of the inmates. Was he, six foot nine inches? He's almost as tall as I am according to scales, I'm seven foot three. <laughs> That'll hit you about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Whatever, heard them all. <laughs> but this clandestine affair, she manipulates it to where she gets him out of the jail to take him apparently for some type of a doctor's appointment, and they're gone. And then all of a sudden, she's missing. One day away from retirement, and then they finally spot this six foot nine guy and her in another city, what less than 200 miles away or something. Maybe I can't remember. And while they're pursuing, they're an on accident, and he turns himself into authorities, and she takes a gun and kills, shoots herself and dies in the hospital. I thought about that. Love? Lust? Deception? Whatever. But I said, God, did anybody pray for that woman before she did this? How many people in our neighborhoods, mine and yours, and our coworkers, they're never prayed for. We pass by. I'm not saying it would change anything, but I wonder, would it have changed something? Do we take the responsibility, not for the people, but to the people? Are you with me? And I thought, God, did anybody pray for her? Did anybody ask the Lord to do something in her life? Intercessors are needed to enter into an audience of one, Whom is the Almighty Himself. I'm not saying you have to be a watchman knee or praying hide and pray six, seven hours a day, but I would ask of you as I ask of myself, let's enter into the prayer closet alone and touch God till we know we're not alone. I've seen too many suicides, too many overdoses, and so have you. The scripture said in the Old Testament, man about ready to do something harmful, bad situation, he said, let's go into this city for there's a man of God that lives there and maybe he can show us the way. If all we are is religious and Sunday Christians without making a difference in the world, people will not recognize us as the men and women of God. They'll recognize us as religious people. But oh God, let us be the men and women of God. And when people have their backs against the wall. And let me tell you something, friends, we are not all, from the pulpit of the back door, good specimens of mental health half the time, are we not? <laughs> we've all got problems, we've all got heartaches, we've got things that brings us down. We don't walk on water, but we know the one that does. God give us intercessors. There's a lot I could say here, let me hasten on. I gotta hurry. God cares and God's concerned. When we ask God to answer our prayers, we must understand God may not answer the prayer the way we want Him to. But the fact is, He does answer prayer. Again, Jesus demonstrates humility in the garden for us, and then again on the cross, as He willingly receives the punishment of the world, a hopeless, helpless, totally dependent men and women, humbly Blankets our prayers and our relationships as we seek his face. Now, even though the leper was humble in his approach, he was confident in the ability of Jesus Christ. If you remove the phrase, if you will, then the statement is clear. There was no doubt in the mind that Jesus would cleanse him from his leprosy. There was something not even a priest could do, but he wanted to be cleansed. Jesus had complete authority. Against any sickness, any disease, any stronghold, any leprosy. Therefore, he knew Jesus Christ could release him from it. Why is he at the feet of Jesus humbly begging for mercy? Because he knew Jesus could. How many times have you and I went to the feet of Jesus Christ hoping he could, thinking he might, but this man had a made up mind, I know he can, and I believe that he will. Someone said, We know Jesus will answer us when we call because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. The prayer of Jesus was given the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. Do we believe in Jesus? Can our prayers make a difference in our government? Can our prayers make a difference with our politicians? Can our prayers make a difference with the media? Can our prayers make a difference in education? Can our prayers make a difference with laws? I believe that they can. You see the leper did something more than just believing. Notice this. He caused him to act in accordance with that belief. Do you pray with certainty that God can hear and prayerfully act on your part? Do we believe that God will move? In other words, if we pray for rain do we get an umbrella? Or do we plan a trip to the beach? We put faith with our prayers. That's what God wants. The prayer of this man was huge. It was a big deal. It was a matter of life and death in many respects. If Jesus didn't answer that prayer, he's still an outcast. If Jesus answered his prayer, he's in the in crowd. If Jesus don't answer that prayer, he's still suffering with leprosy and will eventually die. But if Jesus cleanses him, he is totally healed and got a powerful testimony to give. If Jesus does not cleanse him of his leprosy, He'll probably think that God's a liar and he made a fool of himself. But if Jesus does cleanse him from the leprosy, he knows his words are yes and amen. With leprosy the man had no life, he had no future. But with cleansing the man could embrace a future. The man could enjoy life and that life abundantly. It all depend upon the answer. Will he or will he not answer my prayer and cleanse me of leprosy? What do we have in our life tonight that is as big as leprosy was to this guy? You ever seen a leper? You have been around lepers? I've been to leper colonies in Africa. Sad to see children with leprosy and walking on their elbows. Sad. The leprosy experienced rejection at every corner. And that rejection was probably more destructive to him as a person than was the disease. Let me ask you. If you live a life that people are constantly telling you, stay away from me. How many of you went to school, elementary school, and remember, you got the cooties. Was that a big popular word, remember those days? You got cooties, stay away. I don't ever, did, this day, don't know what a cootie is. But you walk up, Tatsy, you got the cooties. That's well, this dumb stuff. But you stay away from that person. You stay away from them. One young lady, well, she was just a little girl. I was in elementary school. Her name was Dorothy. I thought that was, forgive me, I thought it's such an ugly name, Dorothy. Until one day, I heard the teacher say, Dorothy? I went, who in the world is Dorothy? I thought, that's a pretty name. But poor little Dorothy, people made fun of her, laughed at her, rejected her, and she was the punching bag for verbal abuse. And yours truly was right there in the middle of it. And one day on the bus, Dorothy had enough and she broke down and cried and she said, you're not hurting me, you're hurting yourself. And I was about the age of my grandson Jackson and that changed my life. I started talking to Dorothy and defending Dorothy and now Dorothy and I had the cooties and nobody got around us for a while. Here's my point. How would you like to live in a society where everybody rejects you? Says you're nothing. You'll never mount to a thing. You're nobody. That's what the leper felt. And after a while you think, if people don't want to be around me, maybe God doesn't want to be around me. If people can't love me for what I am, maybe God can't love me for what I am. And that's how the devil works. It's not That's the deception that comes to the mind more times than not. People don't love me, therefore nobody will. I believe that's one of the reasons he said, Jesus, will you cleanse me, not will you heal me? Will you cleanse me? I can once again be around people and feel their embrace and have a conversation that may not sound like a big deal to you and me but that was a big deal to this guy a tremendous big deal so on this day this man dared to come up to Jesus he seemed to have no doubt that Jesus could cleanse him the question was Lord if you choose you can make you whole and what did Jesus say you're an outcast no I choose to cleanse be made whole be clean instantly the man's life changed instantly the man's life changed that's the kind of Christ we serve instantly straightway immediately I believe God's going to give more and more of those experiences if we will believe in him and take him his word because we know his power we know his authority we know his ability but we must know his willingness to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think of him But the cleansing is powerful. I mean, the miracle is phenomenal. But I think there's something more amazing to this story. And what is it? Look at the text again. What did Jesus do even before he entered this man's prayer? Before he spoke, in verse 13, he touched him. Wow. He touched him. He touched him. How long had it been for a human touch? How long had it been for skin to touch skin? How long had it been to feel the warmth of a red-blooded man's hand touching? It had to be something phenomenal that this guy experienced. How long had it been? Brothers and sisters, would any of us touch a man like that before he was cleansed? I doubt it. It'd been gross. But Jesus did. He did such a thing. The story was recorded for us in three of the four Gospels. That tells us how important this story was to the early church. And often you get a better understanding of the events when you look how the stories told by other Gospel writers. For instance, Mark's Gospel fills in something Luke leaves out. In Mark one forty-one, tells us what motivated Jesus. Why? The Bible says Jesus felt pity for him. In the NIV, Bible says, he showed compassion toward this man. Jesus did not pay attention to himself. Jesus saw the man in need and did something about it. He got involved. He got involved. Too many times, as Christians in today's culture, especially, we only go to good people. I remind you, He sent the world to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the innermost part of the world. Samaria is the place nobody wants to go. It's the armpit of society. Nobody wants to go to Samaria. Nothing good there. But the Lord said, "I've got souls in Samaria." I've got outcasts in Samaria. I've got people that need a touch in the Samarias of this world. And in many respects this leper was like a Samaritan in many respects. His focus was on what the man felt. That's compassion, that's Christian discipleship. We need to die to ourselves and focus on caring for other people and let us be what Jesus wants us to be. So, what's it got to do with us? Are there any lepers in our culture today? Not that many. And rarely did we find one in America. However, the leprosy of sin abides in every nook and cranny of American society today. And yet Jesus calls we His followers followers to be like He did. Let compassion outweigh our fears. Let the questions in love be exemplified in the lives of those that need it the most. There are many outcasts in our world. Like leprosy, sin has brought them down to the deepest pit of their life. Some of them reek with the smell of alcohol. Some are flying high as a kite with drug addiction. And some, their their bodies are full of some sexual transmitted disease. And others they suffer from it. But like Jesus, we got to offer love and his touch to the modern day leper. Love casts out fear. Pray for them, and that's compassion on its knees. Pray for them, that is pity on its knees. What gives us the right to hate, to despise, to shun, to push away that which God loves? Have you ever been net fishing? Have you like to go net fishing? You ever caught a fish clean? Wouldn't that be great? You go down to the store and find them clean, but you throw the net in or you throw the rod, the the, 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 whatever in and reel them in. They're never clean. Sometimes they got their tails eaten off by another fish. Sometimes they got a scales off of them. Sometimes they got a punctured eye. they never, there's never a clean fish. But too many times when Christians go fishing for fishers and men, we only want the clean ones. Honey, there is, there are no clean ones. I wasn't that way, nor were you but somebody took time to get in my broken world, and somebody took time to get in my broken life, and somebody took time to take an outcast of society as a young troubled teenage kid and say, God loves you. And I'm gonna exemplify that love to you by my actions. Not just gonna pray for you and say, yeah, you'll be okay, but by their actions. They touched me physically that God could touch me spiritually. And I didn't care how much they knew until I knew how much they cared about me. Again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but somebody needs to spend some time in prayer and intercession on behalf of our government, our politicians, our media, our sports, our big tech, our pharmaceutical, our education, our finances, our media personality, and so much more. At times, if we're honest with ourselves, we would like to lay hands on some of these people and commence squeezing the life out of them. <laughs> but we need to extend a helping hand, the loving hand of God, to the modern-day lepers that are in this world. And God knows they're out there. But for the grace of God, it would be us.